Welcome to Who Gives a Hoot. It is a special podcast today. We've got my good friend Luke. Luke, how are you doing in quarantine? Uh, today right I saw a rabbit. Wow. Actually, I didn't look or I didn't look or go that, outside. I'm sad. I just realized. Are you sad? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually like super, super sad about this quarantine life. I'm at yeah, it's really getting bad. It's speaking it's speaking about bad and sad. Patrick Tyler Overmeyer, the best full name of the business. How are you doing in the you quarantine? No, I'm doing life? all right. Um, doing all right. Moved <laughs> into a new apartment. Uh, finally got internet going, That's... so I'm not pulling my hair out. Uh, so yeah, life's good. That's a hassle. That is a hassle and a half. Yeah, no. Uh, quarantine life is some, is is uh, is very interesting, and it's not much fun when it's cold outside. Now we're having this be released on the day that Union Omaha's first game was supposed to be still played. on my calendar. It's probably one of the yeah no I legitimately woke up to a notification of Union Omaha opening day and I and I was I've been in yep. a funk all day I have been I'll admit I've been in a funk very all sad. day because of it very sad day very very sad but let's get into it because we can't have these negative vibes for the whole day we're here to give you positive vibes because we are a positive vibes mm-hmm. only podcast so let's get into the reviews if you don't know go into who goes it go into your Apple podcast. Go to who gives a hoot, find it, rate it five stars. You can roast this. You can say whatever you want and we will read it. Connor from Fremont says, Hey guys, thought it was time to finally give you guys a five-star review. Appreciate it, Connor. I think you guys deserve it since you're the number since episode one, as a relatively casual football fan, it's a fun to get insight into the sport from a local perspective. Can't wait to shake hands. Or at this point, touch elbows with you guys at the first home match. Keep up the great work. Go sporting. And guess what? Go blues. Uh, I'm gonna assume uh, he meant I'm assuming that he meant Chelsea Blues. So keep keep it going, baby. I love it. This is a Chelsea podcast. Chelsea I believe podcast. one of our other five-star reviews says less Chelsea fans, and I am full for that. Uh, see, it was it was so far ago. It was so long ago. I, I can't remember that. I can't. I just can't. So thank you so much for supporting the pod. And also from the COO, Union COO, Union Omaha COO, fantastic production quality as always. Patience is a virtue. Call me if, if you're ready for an update. So I think, I, I think he meant that as a text message, but, you know, we appreciate it. Patience is a virtue as of right now, especially since today was supposed to be day one. Yeah. <laughs> actually did you i'm just sad go ahead oh i'm i know i know it's it is the worst but we got we uh had a little mailbag section on our twitter uh if you're not following us go to wgah underscore pod follow us on twitter and you can be a part of the mailbag too uh so let's go let's get right into it liam asks our co-writer of the blog asks best old school video game you're bringing with you in quarantine my best choice 007 goldeneye on the nintendo 64 luke what would be your no, answer to that that that's a pretty solid choice there liam that is like, a great choice. I, I mean it's better when you have other people to play with so if you're going into quarantine solo not yeah. so great but from uh donkey kong sure. country be be great solo. um that's a good one if we're going N64, like Liam's suggesting there, uh, I, I'd have to go Shadows of the Empire. A great wow. game. Great Star Wars game. Yeah. 
No, I, I mean, that's a good choice. The problem is with the N64, my parents didn't allow me to have video games until I was like, like 14. So my first station, my first like, I had a PlayStation 2 and that was my first video game station. And I grew up playing like Madden with Ray Lewis on the cover. I'm talking, so I'd probably pick, uh, boy, if I had to choose, I'd probably choose like, Backyard baseball. Yeah. Like, give me give me all that, of the nostalgia. That, that's a pretty solid choice. Yeah, I would probably pick backyard baseball, backyard football, I, any of those games. Those are, give me. I gotta hear producer games. Pat's on this. Yeah. What do you um, got, Pat? So, as far as like old school goes, I gotta go with Mega Man One. Mega Man One was my first ever video wow. game on the NES. Classic. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um. Uh, so got got a lot of wow. history with that. Got a lot of hours with that. Um, probably as a party games perspective, gotta go with the original Smash Bros. Great choice. I'm so bad at that. Is a great choice, but I'm so I've played Smash Bros. maybe a billion times, and I suck so much at that game. I've I, I went to a party a couple weeks ago, and they had it actually on the Nintendo 64, and I didn't. I just everybody's like, "Hey, you want to play?" And I was like, "No, I." I I get so mad at myself. I just decided to quit. I've quit Smash Bros. Yeah, sometimes you just gotta rage quit games you're not good at. Yeah, and I've rage quit it for the rest of my life. <laughs> That's how bad I am. Uh, the next question, Slick Vic, Slick Vic asks: Is the case race in jeopardy due to the blank named COVID? Still waiting on my invite. By the way, thoughts on a super pod with League One unfiltered or League One fun? What do you think, Luke? Do you is the case race in jeopardy because of Rona? I don't think the case race is in jeopardy. I think the case race may be rescheduled. No. However, mm-hmm. I, I still think they're going to lose. I mean, the the one thing that I learned oh, yeah. from being in quarantine is beer can be delivered. So I've just been you know, in quarantine right. in my bubble drinking cases of beer. No ready for that race yeah i'm i'm i i i don't think it's in jeopardy at all and if anything like luke's saying i think we're getting better and better as the quarantine goes on because i that's all we do is practice now we've got nothing else to do all i'm watching do you know what i'm watching right now i'm watching game four of the 1989 nba finals where the detroit pistons sweep the lakers at the floor the last but time the, detroit won I mean, something? that's all we can do uh no the pistons the red nah. wings uh i would say the red wings were the last Wait. one uh-huh. yeah yeah the the red wings the red wings did uh and then he says thoughts on a super pod with league one unfiltered or league one fun i'm pretty sure because i've messed up a name on their podcast, I'm no longer allowed on League One Fun. I, I'm just gonna assume. I love those guys. I think they do a great job. They do. They have one of the best podcasts that I listen to. But I, I, I think Luke, you're gonna have to go on there because I think I've been banned, at least for two USL. Uh, I mean, when Ira is roasting you on the pod, <laughs> hey, that, that, that's saying something. No, I, I hope I hope that my suspension is lifted after week two of USL one. But yeah, I don't think I'm going to be invited anytime soon. But hopefully we can get something, you know, with League One unfiltered. I, I feel like that's going to be a, a live pod uh, from the case race. No, I don't think we're going to do too oh, much yeah. before that with them so. because you no, know, they're yeah. mortal enemies. No, oh, I yeah, I can't stand those guys. They're mean. They're dumb. Hey, I'm, and, I'm not going to go I'm dumb. Gonna, I'm not going to question intelligence. No, I am. I'll go that far. <laughs> they made fun of me watching The Bachelor. 
I'm going to go that far. Uh, Connor asks, uh, what percentage odds is there even a League One season at all this year? I'm going to go out on a limb, Luke. I, 100%. I think as we'll hear in this awesome interview we have later, uh, that there's definitely a 100% chance on it. There wasn't even a question when we talked with Ryan, the VP of communications. There, I, it wasn't a question of if, it was a yeah. question of when. So he, he explains it all very well and what went behind the decision-making process. So make sure that you give that a listen. Andrew asked, jerseys, when? When jerseys? Luke, do you have an answer for him? Whenever. (laughs) Stop asking. I I mean, honestly, (laughs) this is putting a lot of delays in not only production. uh, As someone who works in supply chain, there are a lot of delays in in that. Um, You know, we'll we'll see the jerseys come out when the league is ready to start resuming play yeah it's just tough it's tough because there's just a lot that goes into a simple jersey design as much as you might think as much as you don't you wouldn't even think about it it, there's just a lot that goes into it so it just takes time it takes time be patient be patient we're gonna be okay uh unknown asks is the team practicing right now or are guys practicing on their own well usl has put a mandate of no team practices um, state of Nebraska has a law in place, n- no gatherings greater than 10 people. So players are uh, currently doing their own workouts. And uh, from what we heard, um, we've talked a little bit to some players there. They're reviewing some tape and some one-on-one sessions with Jay, uh, you know, kind of get prepped and ready for the game. Um, you know, when, when the season happens, Unfortunately, it's not today, the day this is being released, but you know, it's, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Don't worry. Don't worry. And then unknown also asked, when can we expect the roster refilled? Um, I believe once we start seeing, start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. uh, No, we're still waiting on Toby whose visa was being held up. And obviously this situation cross border is not helping. Um, We, I believe have a second goalkeeper that has not yet been announced um, who I'm very excited for, but I, I think we're going to see a uh, consistent, but slow fill before the season starts officially. Yeah. It's hard because of this. And, and I think, I mean, we Pat and I ran into a goalkeeper uh, during the Creighton game. Uh, we ran into a couple and talked with them after the game, just really briefly so there's people around. You just got to wait. You just got to be patient, especially with uh, the old big C. It's kind of hard to it's it's kind of hard to release a full roster. Uh, and then finally, Andrew asks, might be a difficult one to run down. But what are the players doing to fill their time right now that the league is shut down? I'd say definitely check their Instagrams. Uh, you know, those boys are, are posting a lot to their stories. Um, you know, you've got uh, Seba, who is working out pretty much constantly with his son. Uh, his son's probably going to become, you know, the next Pele based on everything. But yeah, yeah like definitely hands down there. Uh, but, you know, you're seeing a, a lot of, a lot of good work being put in by these guys, but you know, it seems like they're, they're keeping some sanity. It sounds like a lot of, a lot of Xbox, uh, PlayStation, you know, get, getting those games out there. And I, I believe we have, uh, Dalton, who's going to be playing in the EUSL league 
um, that's starting up here. He's going to yeah. be representing you uh, or Union Omaha on in the Xbox West division there. Oh, geez, yeah, no, uh, Andrew. The thing is, is that we've interviewed a couple of players already, and we're saving them. Uh, we're, they're kind of like in a rainy day, uh, but they break down what they're doing, uh, like. Like Luke was saying, they're going through their uh, their one on ones. They're breaking down film together, and they're also figuring out their own gym time. So it's kind of just do your own thing, and hopefully they're fit. But from what it sounds like, Luke, you can tag along on this. But to me, it sounded like throughout our interviews that everybody is keeping up that fitness. Even I, I wouldn't this. be surprised if they're more fit after this, just because they want to. They're they're more anxious to start playing than we we are to watch them. Oh yes. Oh, yes, I would agree with that 100%. But, yeah, th- uh, thank you guys so much for the mailbag. Uh, please slide into our DMs if you have any other questions. I know who gives a hoot's DMs are open. My DMs are open. I believe Luke and Pat's are. So make sure you like, subscribe on uh, wherever you listen, and make sure you follow us on Twitter and get those questions in. We love that fan interaction. But we have a fantastic interview with Ryan Madden, the VP of communications for USL. But who gives a who? We do. Yeah, see the 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 connection. Yeah, and the remote. It's not that great. It doesn't slap the way the way it it used to. It'll happen again. I I think you just need a few (laughs) more beers in you. Just yeah. a couple, just a couple. All right. Thank you guys so much. And we hope, uh, have fun listening to the interview and we can't wait to release even more interviews in the future. <laughs> hey guys, before we get to the interview, I want to talk to you guys about global scarves. Global scarves is the premier supplier of custom soccer scarves, beanies, blankets, and other great fan merchandise. They have the lowest pricing to maximize your fundraising needs and to produce at the highest quality in Europe where soccer was born. They know the product, and they know what it means to put that scarf on for match day. They work tirelessly to make sure that you are outfitted to support your club. Email Global Scarves now to find out more information on the process or to get a free design mock-up for your group or club at kyle at globalscarves.com. And we welcome on Ryan, the VP of Communications for USL, Ryan, it's wonderful to have you on. No, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for uh, for taking the time to talk with me a little bit. So, Ryan, obviously, right now, the release of this podcast is was is taking in place of the first game for Union Omaha, which is this Friday, obviously. But it obviously got canceled because of everything that's going on with coronavirus. Talk with me and talk with us about how those decisions are made in order for you guys to postpone the league. What went into all that? Yeah, um, no, I'm happy to talk about it. You know, I'll kind of paint the picture for you a little bit. Um, For as long as just about anyone can remember, there's been a a Monday morning executive meeting at USL and it's it's all of the the heads of every department come together, sit around a table. We're on the eighth floor of a of a high rise outside of downtown Tampa, Florida. And um, and normally, you know, there's 60 to 70 USL employees hustling and bustling back and forth, heading from one side of the office to another to or pass off papers. And, um, you know, I think back to the, the Monday before last and, and, you know, the night before the CDC guidance had come out on restricting public gatherings of 50 people or more. So there were only a few of us in the office. It was completely quiet. Um, because most of everyone was working from home and um, 
you know, the, there was about half the normal people sitting around the executive conference room with the other half calling in from home. And, it, you know, it was just um, it was very strange and very surreal. And and it's just created such a unique and, and challenging environment for everyone. You know, it's not just us. It's, it's every organization, sports or otherwise, um, you know, in the northern hemisphere. But for us at USLHQ, you know, we had been working on contingency planning from a really, really early stage. As soon as it became clear many, many weeks ago that this posed a threat to international public health, we began discussing the possible impacts it may have on our league. Um, of course, things really ramped up uh, the Wednesday night when EA made their decision to um, temporarily suspend their season. And then that led into the next Thursday morning where we ultimately made the decision, I think very quickly, to um, bring the question of whether or not to temporarily suspend our season to a vote. Uh, the league doesn't just make autonomous decisions like that. It's uh, We can make recommendations, but ultimately those recommendations need to be ratified by a, a board of governors vote. And the board of governors is comprised of of owners and club presidents from, from our two professional leagues, championship and league one. Um, and, and the result of that vote was a, a unanimous decision to put the health and wellness of our players, our supporters and, and, and club staff first and, and to temporarily suspend the league. Um, I think, you know, and I've heard you guys talk about it on the pod before. There's a there's sort of a universal recognition that at the end of the day, this this whole thing is about a lot more than soccer. And um, and, and I think every single club in, in our professional uh, ecosystem um, completely understood why we needed to make the decision that we ultimately made. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's definitely a huge step here, seeing that USL was making – you know, decisions before government was really stepping in and before we were seeing a lot of the, the reactions that have now become reality. Right. How, how much have you been in constant contact with, you know, CDC or various um, state agencies? Um, you know, Hartford being just outside of New York being you know, a hotbed of uh, COVID-19 currently in the U.S., but you have Tacoma Defiance uh, up there. And, you know, we've got clubs all throughout these areas which are very much exposed. Um, how, how much communication has been going into this throughout uh, the time that we've been pushing the league out? It's a, it's a fantastic question. Um, look, the, the most important thing you can do in the, in the early stages of, of managing a crisis is to get your your lines of communication and your levels of communication um, sorted out and, and, and efficient and, and make sure that they're effective as possible. So if you can, if you think about the way that, that USL is communicating and then making decisions, first and foremost, our decisions are based on the guidance that is being given to us by public health experts. You, United Soccer League is an organization and we have a, a lot of really, really smart people who work for us, but, but we're not experts on infectious disease, right? So, so we need to make sure that our decision-making in many ways is being guided by genuine experts in those medical fields. So we are in, you know, people use the word constant contact, but really it, it's daily contact with local, state, and national health authorities, including the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control 
in prevention. Actually, it's a little known fact, but um, USL president Jake Edwards, his wife used to, to be a, an employee of the CDC. Um, so it's an organization that, that we have close ties to and, and it's help, helpful in terms of getting access to information and making sure that we're in communication with the right people. We've also had irregular conversation with um, the Department of Homeland Security and in our, on a national task force um, that is comprised of U.S. soccer, Major League Soccer, USL and NWSL representatives just to make sure that from a North American professional soccer landscape standpoint, we're all sharing best practices and sharing our experience throughout this really unique circumstances and, and, and then distilling that down into key critical issues that impact each one of our clubs like Union Omaha and then offering the best level of guidance that we can to those clubs. And then lastly, the communication between the, so, so that's how we're communicating with external organizations. And then if you think about how we communicate with the clubs themselves, um, I'll, you know, I, I had seven conference calls today. Uh, we had, um, you know, we had a, a executive USL executive calls this morning, and then we had um, four or five different conference calls with um, representatives from each club across the championship and league one throughout different areas of the business, whether that's public relations, ticketing, a call from just club presidents, uh, a board of governors call, and then special COVID-19 task force calls. So it's, it's, a, it's a nonstop chain of communication that starts at national public health agencies and trickles down all the way to, to your local hometown clubs. So, Ryan, right now the league is going to start in May. I mean, that was the last statement. Do you have any insight on maybe moving that forward, moving that back? If Is that a hard date? I mean, what, what, what do you foresee in the USL? Uh, yeah, since- look, it's the, it's the question that everyone wants to know the answer to, right, is, is when, um, when is this thing going to be fully contained enough to the extent that national health organizations are comfortable with resuming large scale public gatherings when are clubs or I'm sorry, when are leagues comfortable with opening the building back up for fans and when are fans ultimately comfortable in reentering those buildings. And um, look, if I was going to sit here tonight and tell you, you know, some, some, something with a high degree of certainty or clarity, um, I, I just wouldn't be doing it justice. We, we don't, we don't entirely know. Um, so what, so what the priority has to be t- tonight and, and going forward is how do we stay prepared for every possible um, iteration of how this thing may play out? We need to be prepared if the CDC relaxes guidelines and if, if that May 10th deadline um, gets, gets shortened by two weeks. I need to be ready to go by Monday or May 11th if things stay the same. And if in the event, uh, and we hope it doesn't get to this point, but if it does and that date is extended, we need to be prepared for that as well. We need to be prepared from an economic standpoint. We need to be prepared from a public relations standpoint. We need to be prepared from a competitive formatting and operation standpoint. And each of those contingency plans has to be completely buttoned up, very professional, very sophisticated. As soon as we have any degree of clarity on when we can start kicking the ball around, um, we'll, we'll put that into place. Now, I mean, you talked a little bit there of what we're looking like um, getting fans back in the stadium. Yeah. Big part of or big step in USL has been getting it on ESPN Plus and getting that, uh, you know, rights with ESPN to, to show games. Now, it, 
is the delay of the season affecting any of that, or are we still going to be expecting, you know, the same um, same levels of coverage for ESPN? A hundred percent, the same levels of coverage for ESPN. You know, it's um, I don't think most people know this, but USL across Championship and League One produces over seven hundred and fifty live professional soccer matches for ESPN platforms on an annual basis. It makes us the largest provider of professional soccer content to ESPN. And so the, the relationship between us and ESPN has is, is never been stronger. Um, we recently signed a new three-year media rights deal, again, we're the largest provider of professional soccer content. Um, and, and they're actually, they've been incredibly gracious throughout this period where they're now allowing us to, to, to air rebroadcasts of games in ways that we hadn't previously. They've even talked to us about um, potentially hosting some of our, our Rocket League initiative on ESPN+. Plus. So when, when we get back and, and you guys are, are in the supporter section um, at the park and, and, and the ball's rolling again and the guys are out there flying in on tackles and, and having shots from distance, It'll be on ESPN Plus, and and um, and that won't change for the foreseeable future. So, in your eyes, I mean, I'm looking at your Twitter. Your pin tweet is in 2017 USL Championship saw 61 sellouts, which is, uh, I mean, it's a lot of sellouts. How do you? How are you guys trying to keep that momentum up through this upcoming season? Throughout, even with coronavirus coming out and and disrupting the beginning of the season. You know, I think there's, it's sort of a, it's sort of a two part response. You know, we're doing a lot it, it, from a league level. Um, the partnership with ESPN is huge. Uh, we're doing a lot in the digital and, and social space in terms of fan engagement initiatives and, and sort of new cool fun stuff that, that hasn't been done in our league before. And, and our digital team does a great job with that. I think we, we've had more um, national news coverage in the past couple months than at any point in the history of our league. So there's a lot of momentum that's being built from a league office standpoint surrounding this season and when we do return to play. But the real, honestly, the the real answer to that question though is the clubs do it. You know, it, we do a, a lot of work in Tampa at USLHQ, but the reason that New Mexico United got 15 to 18,000 people per game last year is because of what New Mexico United does. And, and the reason that forward Madison was such a revelation um, for so many people that care about soccer in the United States is because of, of, of what they did, not because of what he, we did. Um, these are like true community clubs who value the relationship that they have with fans and who don't think that just because they're a professional sports organization. They have some divine right to be supported. You know, they, they, they put in the work and they, and they build relationships and they view themselves, I think, not just as soccer organizations, but is, is community organizations who just don't happen to play soccer. And that's, um, that's a really, really special thing. And I think that's what's happening in Omaha, which I, I know is why it's, it's very disappointing for people that, that the start of the season was temporarily suspended, but Look, I have no doubt that when we when we fire things back up, that um, the place is going to be rocking. And um, and and uh, look, it's uh, I think there's something really special brewing in, in Omaha. Now, Ryan, I mean, you were up here for the uh, unveil, I guess, of the fact that we were getting a team. If I I'm was, not mistaken. yep. 
and you know, we've had league representatives up here for the brand release. Um, you know, Kelsey, who was big on us winning our group uh, in Rocket <laughs> League today. No. Yeah, she's a big fan of you guys. Yep. That's true. Yeah. No, that that's been that's been really really big. Um, you know, we're we're building as much of a as of a culture here as we can. Um, you know, I'm sure you've seen some of the the fan reactions we've had going. Now, when you were looking in, as the league, uh, looking at Omaha, was that ever something that really like was expected? Like there, there's a there's a you no know, a possibility for a good market, and then there's a reality that oh, dang, this is going a heck of a lot further than we thought it would. The clubs more often than not are in their early stages, they are a product of um, the people and the talent that they bring in to run them, I think. And so when we, when we first looked at Omaha, yes, of course, Omaha ticks all the boxes in terms of a community that should and that could and should be a, a very um, successful professional soccer community. But I think more importantly than that, we saw Gary Green, who is a heavily invested and in, in, in hands-on owner who is passionate about the product. We saw um, Marty Cordero, who, who has um, a substantial amount of, of business acumen and expertise and has been in this industry for a very, very long time. We saw um, you know, the po- prospect of bringing in at the time Matt Hominoff as the COO and then Jay is the head coach. Um, and you know this, you guys know this better than anyone, but all it takes is is five minutes talking to any of those guys, and you can you can see what it means to them. You can see how much they care. You can um, you can see how desperately they want to bring a winning professional soccer club to to that community. So um, you know, yes, yes, we always knew that Omaha could be something special and that it could be great. But what I think sold everyone at the league office was um, the commitment, the expertise and the passion of, of the people who were going to come and bring that club to life. And, and that's, um, I think that's ultimately is, is, has been what's happened. Now you obviously probably know union Omaha has sold a bunch of tickets, a lot of season tickets. Now what happens to somebody? I mean, what, what happens if somebody has season tickets? I, mean, I don't know if you guys have gone over this ruling, but if the season's condensed, what happens to that price tag? I mean, is that, are you, or is the USL going to have like a form fitted answer for everybody else? Or is it individual teams? It's a good question. I mean, look, the, the, at the moment, the plan is to reschedule every single match that has been affected by the COVID-19 crisis. Um, you know, there's some, there's some creative scheduling mechanisms that could be put into place. Uh, should we start again on, on Monday, May 11th and, and go from there where, you know, maybe we play more midweek games um, than we, than, you know, was previously planned on. Um, there's just some, there's some things that we can do from a scheduling and operational standpoint to make sure that uh, those games are getting, are getting rescheduled. So that's what we know today. I don't want to, I don't want to speculate beyond that, but the, um, the plan in place is to make sure that, that we're bringing as much professional soccer to, to every single community as we possibly can and to make sure that those t- ticket holders get a chance to, to see all the games that they, uh, that they signed up to see. Now, 
I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this question that I think every person who follows League One yeah. is asking. Yeah. When when you're looking in the offseason, you're looking for things to talk about. And of course, this offseason just got a heck of a lot longer. What are we looking at for the next season? What what expansion um, bids are are possible uh, possible contenders to, to join League One? Uh, no, I've heard rumblings out of Portland, Maine, out of Fort Wayne, uh, Boise. No, is there a- anything that you're able to talk about that uh, you no know, is exciting to to see with League One? Yeah, look, all of those communities that you mentioned those are those are all real. Um, those are all those are all prospective USL League One expansion communities. You know, um, there's a couple others too. Our, our senior vice president um, of, of League One, Stephen Short, was in uh, Lexington, Kentucky, not long ago. He also re- recently visited High Point. Um, there's a there's a couple other communities around the country that that he's been in um, just in the past few weeks before the the COVID nineteen thing really really ramped up. So. There are, you know, I'm trying to think of the best way to, to say this, um, but there are, there are over, let's say, 30 to, 30, there are over 35 communities across the United States who um, in the last six months alone have, have expressed interest in bringing a USL League One club to their community. So if you, the best, the best predictor, I think, of future USL League One growth is probably to go back and look at the way the championship grew not long ago um, and go back and look at it when it was a, when it was a 10 team um, or 12 team league and, and how quickly it grew from there. I think you're going to see a, a similar growth trajectory in League One, um, which will be great too, because Look, there's a lot of things that we want to bring um, for you guys in Omaha, too, that, that don't ex- exist in the way that, that they will in a couple years' time in terms of regional rivalries and the ability for supporters to not have to jump on a plane but maybe get on a bus and go to go to some League One games that, that aren't too far away from them. So uh, the growth is going to be is going to be significant in in 21 and I think again in 22 and in 23. And hopefully by the time the World Cup rolls around in 2026, we have a um, – we have something, uh, some some kind of close to final version of this league that uh, everyone can be very proud of. What do you guys look at when you're exp- looking to expand? I mean, what are you looking for? Are you looking for a certain number of population size? Or, I mean, what do you guys? What goes into that? So there, there's um, the U.S. Soccer Federation actually dictates certain professional league standards to to every. Uh, g- governing body of any professional soccer league in the United States. So whether you're MLS or USL um, championship or league one, there are certain criteria that, that communities must meet in terms of population size, um, ownership, net worth, things like that. And as long as you're meeting those criteria, you can essentially move into any community that ticks those boxes anywhere in the United States. So um, we are, within the constraints of what we are able to do from an expansion standpoint in league one, um, we're looking at communities who are similar in size to Omaha, similar in size to Madison, Wisconsin communities where um, maybe there aren't a lot of other major professional sport options where a USL league one club can come in and really rally the community and kind of be the heartbeat of professional sports in that, in that city. Um, 
We're looking for um, young, vibrant fan bases, multicultural, um, millennial populations. We're looking for um, strong uh, corporate structures within these communities, both from a sponsorship and, um, and an interest standpoint. We're looking for um, strong uh, youth soccer networks and youth soccer participation numbers. Um, but most importantly, and it goes back to what I said before, we're looking for strong local owners who care and, and who want to not just create a soccer team, but um, who wants to win soccer matches and lift trophies and, and sort of be a, be a, be a shining light within, within their own community. Um, and certainly Gary is that in Omaha, but there, there are others in, um, in other parts of the country too, that, that are doing a spectacular job, especially in league one. Now, Ryan, um, to, to get a little bit more back to you, no, where where's your background? Why 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 are you so passionate about making USL happen? I love it. I love um, it. It's um it's you know my um I think everyone has a different a different starting point, kind of where they fell in love with soccer, and um you know everyone has sort of a, a story that they can tell, or a lot of people do about you know the day or the game or, or the earliest memory or, or kind of the moment that they think back to and and in retrospect was sort of defining for them because they became emotionally invested in the sport. Mine was in 1994 during the 1994 world cup. I was really, really young. Um, My dad, I was fortunate enough that my dad got us tickets to the U S men's national team game versus Columbia. And we were there the day that that the U S beat Columbia two to one at the sold out Rose bowl with the, the president in attendance and um, you know, the fighter jet flyovers and all of these, all of these things that when you're, when you're as young as I was at the time are, are just sort of life changing. Um, from that day on, I, I've always loved the sport. And, and when I graduated, I went to the university of Missouri and then got a master's in sports administration from Ohio university. And when I, when I was ready to enter into the workforce, it was always going to be, um, it was always going to be soccer. Uh, I worked for an MLS club for a little bit. I worked for CONCACAF. I used to write an international soccer column for some different publications back in the day. And, um, and now I'm with USL and I couldn't be happier. It's the, it's the most fulfilling professional experience in my life, for sure. Well, I mean, that's definitely what I like to hear from a guy who's a, in charge of communications for, you know, not, not one, but three leagues and hopefully – Continue. Do you guys, I, just real quick, uh, if you don't mind, do you guys, do you guys have similar kind of moments in your life? Were there, were there times where, where you kind of, um, you really sort of maybe fell in love with the game, or it became an important part of your guys' life? Uh, so for me, I'm a huge Chelsea yeah. fan. Uh, this is actually a Chelsea podcast here, Ryan. It is really unfortunately not. <laughs> it is a, this is a hundred percent a Chelsea podcast. Um, but you know, I, I fell in love with soccer back in the uh, world cup when it was in South Africa and I loved it. I didn't even know what was yeah. going on. I grew up with, in a baseball background and in a baseball household. So I didn't really know what soccer was, but I just fell in love with like, the ebbs and flows that a game actually has in soccer. And I was addicted from just that moment. And I was like, now I need to find a team. And I was like, shoot, why not Chelsea? And, uh, and then they won the champions league and it's been fairly easy for me ever since. <sighs> when you win so many championships and trophies, it's, it gets oh, man, a lot this easier. is a Chelsea pod, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> 
brother mentioned because they yeah. beat Bayern. Hey, you know what's you know what's great? My um my first week on the job here at USL, I um my the very like the very first big project that I was given was to go out to Phoenix and uh and interview Didier Drogba and do some content around him. And um I asked him about about that game and and the 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 header towards the end of regular time that tied it and, and put him in a position to go on and win it. And then, and then he obviously um, hit the winning PK in that champions league final as well. And he, uh, he said, without a doubt, it was the, uh, the most fulfilling and uh, exciting moment of his career. No. Are you sure you're not a Chelsea fan? Cause I feel like I just heard no. myself talk. No, this has, I, I this, just, has to, uh, this has to stop. A deep dive into Christian Pulisic. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh. Hey, another. I mean, Christian Pulisic, the American dream. You'd have to hate America in order to hate Chelsea right now. That's all I've got Oof. to say. Oof. No, but see, I love <laughs> looking out for the Alfonso yes. Davies. Alfonso, an absolute beast. He um he played uh he had a little uh, stint in USL as well. Do you guys know that? Yeah, I, I did not. He got a couple of games in, uh, in USL. Hey, that, he's a success story like a lot of other players are going to be and that are already big right. success stories. Right. Go ahead, uh, Luke. Well, I, I mean, to, to jump on that, no. Clearly it, not yeah. Chelsea for me. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I – Remember very basically the um, 94 World Cup being in the U.S. and that, and then the start of the MLS and 96 going to see the Revolution play the Casey Witt. No, that was one of those, uh, no, very early just kind of made me want to play more and more. But like line and sinker buying into soccer, uh, 2010 was spending a few weeks in Spain as kind of a need to need to get out of the yeah. States for a while. Um, was there when Spain was doing their unbelievable run to, to eventually win um, cheering for Germany in Malaga, Spain, uh, as they were entirely upset, just seeing the passion and being able to appreciate the passion of a nation that was just fully committed to one team. Uh, it just cars, the whole town just going completely wild. It just cha- changed the outlook I had for everything there. And then, you know, since then bought more into Bayern than I already was. Ajax, um, which was, you know, presented to me, uh, back when I was a teenager with a friend from the Netherlands, you know, the, these teams that been really big and then getting this club here in, in Omaha has been met some great people. Um, uh, unfortunately, I've met a Chelsea fan, uh, but uh, we'll accept you. We'll accept you know, what, you. you know, what's really cool about that though, is that, um, you know, some, some there's, I think there's going to be a lot of people in Omaha who, who their moment for that their their 2010 world cup or in my case 90 1994 world cup their moment will be um out of warner park for a union omaha match and i uh i think that's the that's that's the special stuff right that's that's that what that's what makes all the hard work worth it is um is is these are difficult times now but um i think it's gonna brighten a lot of people's lives once once that club is out on the field chasing a ball definitely definitely cool now, thought. Uh, ryan um 
as we're going into this uh, downtime, you, you already mentioned it a little bit earlier, but we, we've got this uh, Rocket go. League uh, World <laughs> Cup coming up. Uh, I'm sure that's not going to be quite the experience that you know, fans were looking for with this Friday, but, you know, as something to pass the time when there are, uh, there's one, one uh, soccer league in the world, Premier League in the world, still running, and that's in Belarus. Yes. I think, but what what's the uh, what's the expectation that everyone should have with uh, with with this Rocket League uh, tournament going on? We have no up? idea what the quality of play is going to be like. It, <laughs> in fact, probably won't be great. But everyone is going to have fun. Um, look, we're going through a weird time societally right now, and and everyone has a lot of a lot of things to worry about and a lot of of, of very um, significant issues to face them. So when we were sitting down thinking, okay, well, how do we, how do we handle, um, how do we handle the creation of, of, of social and digital content during this period of a temporary suspension? Our guiding light from the start was just, let's just do something that's really fun. Let's provide a format for our teams to compete. And then let's involve supporters and club ambassadors into that as best we can. And where we landed was this, what I think is is great. It's this 32 team across the USL Championship and League One esports tournament um, in a World Cup style format that'll last three weeks with eight groups of four top two teams advance into the knockout stages, um, leading to a to a, a, a cup final. And you know, you don't have to have ever played Rocket League. You don't have to know anything about it. All you have to do is care about care about your club, and um, and hopefully this will give soccer fans who even if you don't like esports even if you don't play video games hopefully it just gives everyone um a chance to come together smile a little bit have a little bit of fun and, and cheer on their team in a in a cool unique way we're we're not taking ourselves too seriously we we, we just want to have fun and and make sure that um we're providing a little lightness and a little levity for people's lives all right, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people follow you on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram? Uh, where, I mean, just so that they can keep in touch with everything that's Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at rye underscore Madden, um, although I, I wouldn't entirely recommend it, to be honest. So. <laughs> <laughs>